Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner Podcast. Thank you so much. I saw some new reviews. That always makes me so happy. I hope everyone had an awesome week. It was the first week back in September for school, so I hope everyone had a good week. I know my kids seem to be having a harder week than me. I'm Not that I'm a school-based SLP, but it's still a lot of scheduling changes and all of that. Um, but wow, my kids were wiped this week, so I hope that everyone had a good week. So all the school-based SLPs, good luck. I know it's a really busy time of year for you guys. Um, but you know what else that people are experiencing a lot this time of year? Job searching, first jobs, trying to find a job maybe right out of grad school or trying to find a new job because it's a new school year and um, I know a lot of my friends and a lot of people I know are searching for jobs. I've gotten so many questions on my DMs about new grads asking, what do I look for in a job? What should I ask for? I don't even know what questions I should be asking. I don't know what is good, what is bad, and on and on and on. So Today is a solo episode and I'm going to dive into this and this is just from my experiences talking with SLPs I know, some of my mentors and um, just talking with a lot of my friends and also coworkers and things like that about this topic. So let me know on DMs if you have any suggestions or anything to add to this and I'll share it with everyone because I want to have all the information possible but I'm just going to go over a few things that I think you should ask for and you should look for when job searching. So this isn't necessarily like how to find a job, but it's like once you have that interview, what are you looking for? What is what's happening in the contract that you should see and what's important when considering if you're going to take a job or not. And this is probably going to be private practice heavy because that is where I've worked ever since grad school. I love private practice. So this is going to be probably pretty focused on private practice, but I think that some things are just helpful for all different types of jobs for SLPs. So first and foremost, I remember when I was looking for my first job, I asked Carly from We Talkers. I was like, I asked her this exact question. What should I be asking for? What's important to be looking for my first job? Like, do you have any advice for me? And she said the number one thing she recommended was mentorship. She was like, you really, really want to make sure you get hired at a clinic where there's mentorship because there's going to be a learning curve and you need to be able to bounce your ideas um, and your questions and your treatment plans and your first reports and all of that off of somebody. That's so important. So if a clinic is hiring you, you're going to want to make sure that there's an SLP there who can provide you with some sort of mentorship, whether it's weekly team meetings, which we have at Speech Meta. But I also know that our the owner of our clinic, Fiona, was there for me a lot in the first few months. I was would call her, we would have Zoom meetings, and I would send her things and she would look over it and she would really help me with my first my first clients and really building my caseload probably for the first month or two. And then I kind of got my feet, but I know that mentorship is very key. So I would ask like, is there any sort of mentorship built in? Are there team meetings or are there more experienced SLPs who can provide, um, some time in the week to answer questions or anything like that? I think it's important for them to offer this because it will help the entire clinic run smoothly. It's not just going to help you because if you're doing better, then the entire clinic will be doing better as well because your clients will be doing better. So that's important. I would also make sure, especially this is more private related once again, but if you're working in private practice, you need to get paid for certain things. So for example, direct time is the time you work with the kid one-on-one. 
But there's a lot more that goes into sessions and being an SLP and providing therapy that is not with the child in the room. And that would be indirect time. So there's direct time and there's indirect time. You need to be paid for indirect time. It's a non-negotiable for me. If I'm not being paid for indirect time, I'm not really interested in working in that clinic because that actually ends up being a lot of hours that I'm not getting paid for. And I don't necessarily want to work for free. Like that's not really going to happen. And that shouldn't be normalized in the SLP community. We shouldn't be working for free. And if we're not getting paid for indirect time, that is what's going to end up happening. So for example, my clinic has 45 minutes direct time and 15 minutes indirect time. So the client pays for an hour, but we end our session at 45 minutes. This is the only way I can do back-to-back sessions because I have time to chart and clean the room. And sometimes I don't have time to end up charting and I have to do it later anyways. It depends how many toys are out and all of that. Sometimes I'll go a little bit over with parents or with kids. So it's very important you have indirect time built in. And I personally think if it's 10 minutes or five minutes, that's not enough. It should be 15 minutes. So this is very important. I think that all SLPs should get paid for indirect time. So I would ask about that and I would see, because there are clinics out there who provide you with indirect time. My clinic, as I said, we charge for 60 minutes and we have 15 minutes indirect, 45 direct, all. I really have not really run into a parent that's not necessarily okay with that because they understand that there's other things that we have to do and they're totally understanding and they're okay with that. So if it's explained to them what the indirect time is, then they're okay with that. And I think that's very important. So I would ask about indirect time because if you're doing a 60 minute session and there's no indirect time, that's going to be a lot of time where you're not getting paid for charting, cleaning, prepping, and it's not realistic. And, um, yeah, so I, I would definitely recommend that you, you look into that. Okay. Alongside this to kind of talk about money and all of that would be like, are you paid for report writing? Are you paid for goal setting and treatment planning? So, If you are going to take three hours to write a report, you should get paid three hours to write the report. If you're going to take 15 minutes to write a treatment plan, you should get paid 15 minutes for writing the treatment plan. If you're going to write a progress note, it takes you 30 minutes. You should get paid for 30 minutes. I would never charge over like three hours, but if it's a 15 page report, yeah, that might take you three hours. I probably would never ever charge over that for a report because it starts getting like to be a lot despite it taking much longer, but you need to get paid for the work that you do. If you're writing a 15-page report for an autism assessment or you're writing a 10-page report for an autism assessment, that's going to take you more than one hour. You need to get paid for more than one hour. So I would ask them, do you charge for report writing? Is it a like a flat rate or does it go by the hour you spend? What's the average hours that SLPs at this clinic spend on report writing? What do you think is realistic that parents would be used to at this clinic? Is it two hours? Is it one hour? If it's 30 minutes for a report, And that's the flat rate. No, that's crazy. Like you're going to be spending so much time doing things that you're not getting paid for. Or if they say that you don't get paid for treatment planning and writing up a formalized treatment plan or a progress note. No, that's not okay. You need to get paid for that. So you really need to ask, like get into the nitty gritty and it's reasonable. Like it's not, um, cause I was talking to one of my friends and she's applying for jobs and it's almost like we have this nervous energy around asking these types of questions, but we need to normalize it because we're allowed to care about what we're getting paid for. And if we're working, we should be getting paid for that, especially in private practice, because it tends to be a lot of work. And if you don't charge for your work, you don't get paid. So I think it's really important. I would also ask about cancellation. So cancellations at my clinic, if someone cancels within 24 hours, then they get charged. And of course, I almost always give them a one-off. 
However, if it's a no-show and I don't get a warning within the 24 hours, that's very different. Or if it's a fever, or it depends. It's case by case. But generally, the rule is that, and they sign this in the consent form, if you cancel within 24 hours, then you get charged. And like I know my therapist, that I, I see a therapist. I've talked about this in my other episodes. She has a 48-hour one. 48 hours. And I'm okay with that. Like, that's, that is, this is how it works. Like if you, you know what I mean? So you need to make sure, because I know that I, I got a few messages. I forget. I must've posted something about cancellation fees and one, um, and some SLPs DM me and they were like, Oh, I would never want to do private because now you just didn't get paid for all those cancellations. And I'm like, no, I got paid for all those cancellations because if there's cancellations, I am getting paid for that because I build my schedule. Other kids could have had those time slots. They missed out. I prepped. I had everything prepared. I put the time aside. I need to get paid for that. That's just, you know, like that's just the way it is. So I would ask about that. Make sure there's a cancellation policy that's reasonable. But then once you're working, you need to be reasonable with it as well. Like I wouldn't recommend you just always use it. Like, you know, in private, you need to maintain your caseload. So like it is a case by case basis, depending on situations, et cetera. Okay. I would ask about rooms. So, um, one thing is like, are there a lot of rooms in the clinic? Would, will you have to like, will you be able to choose your times or is there only one room and there's less flexibility? So you can't book a therapy room and just, there's always like certain, I know in my placements and there's only two therapy rooms, it becomes a whole nightmare. I'm like, who's going to get the therapy room? Oh, but what if your kid needs a bigger one? And so my clinic has like 15 therapy rooms. So I loved that. I was like, Oh, we're never going to run into a problem with rooms. And we really like haven't, there's so many different types of rooms, different sizes of rooms. And I think the bigger the clinic, the better for this. Like it really, it makes a big difference if there's a big team. I would also check like, are you going to be doing home visits? Because personally, I don't think that's okay. My personal opinion, and I totally understand that people would disagree because there's so many benefits doing home visits. Like you, it's probably lots of nice generalization happening. You can show parents what to do with their toys and it's so good for the client and the family but as an SLP the driving you are going to be doing driving all around you can't see as many kids so your caseload will be smaller and you might want a bigger caseload so you need to take all this into consideration I know one of my friends um, from my program worked and she was driving around and she ended up quitting after two months because it was way too much driving some people, on the other hand, love driving. They're like, I love the change in scenery. I like to get out of the clinic. I like to drive around. I like to do my thing. For me, no, like absolutely not. I love being in the clinic all day. That's the only way I can do back-to-back kids. That's how I can have a bigger caseload. That is how I can sneak in like a snack and an Instagram, um, updating guys on Instagram and all that. Like I, I have time for these types of things. I would not have time. I think my time is better spent that I can be in the clinic. I'm not spending money on gas. I'm not dealing with all my car and all that stuff. So it's great. I would ask about caseload. Do they get a lot of referrals? How do referrals work? Do you choose your referrals? Does someone choose them for you? Ask about scheduling. Do you get to schedule yourself? Does someone schedule for you? All of these are important. And personally, I think that it's nice if you can choose your caseload and you can choose your schedule. So obviously this is all ideal, but like I did get that from this job. So I I think it's worth asking. And just if you interview at lots of places, you'll start seeing different, like there's pros and cons to every clinic. So you're going to maybe see like, oh, this clinic has a huge clinic, but I can't choose my schedule or this private clinic is salary. Personally, I would not want to work private if I was getting paid salary. I don't think it's worth it. I think it's a lot of work working private, so you should get paid for it. And it's usually more lucrative if you are working, um, as a private contractor. And I just think these are important things. Like people have student debt, they have payments, you know? So like you need to be able to get paid for the work you do. 
And um, lastly, I would ask about growth. It's nice in a contract if there is a statement about like how you will get paid more after this many months, or you will get an increase in your percentage after you get this, or you do this, things like that. So there's different things like that you might want to show or maintain to get a bump in your pay rate. But like, that's important. If there's no growth, I, I don't think that's wonderful. I think that's all my thoughts. I'm kind of just, I wrote a little list of things that came up, but I think those are like really important that I would say. Um, yeah. If you have any more ideas, please DM me and I'll share them with everyone because I want everyone to have like all the, all the ideas, um, and just be really prepared for their interviews and for their questions. Um, I always like to approach interviews, like I'm interviewing them too, (laughs) like that. It's not, I just think it's important. If you're going into an interview, this is your job. You are interviewing them too, to a certain extent. Like there are lots of jobs for SLPs out there, especially where I live. So I'm not necessarily sure about the States and things like that, but where I live, there's lots of SLP jobs and I want to make sure it's a good fit. It's kind of like I nannied an undergrad and like, I felt that the interview was actually two ways. It's like, you're not really just interviewing me because I'm also actually interviewing you because if I don't feel like this is a good fit, I don't want to work for you. And that's how I felt when I was inter- when I interviewed for all my SLP jobs. I was like, I want to see if I like the clinic. I want to see how I feel about the coworkers and the atmosphere. And I want to see how I feel about the, the situation and the contract. And like, it's just, it's, it's even like, it's like dating. <laughs> like it kind of is, you know, like you were interviewing them and they're interviewing you and it's kind of like, what's, what's the fit? Is the fit good? So go into your interviews like that, like have confidence in yourself and know that like, I'm also interviewing you because I'm not going to take any job. You know, you need to have high standards for yourself, you know? So yes, I have an interview prep episode that I did with speech therapy mom, and I will link that in the description. Best of luck, everybody with your jobs. So exciting. Let me know if you get a new job and you're super excited about it. And, um, yeah, have a great day. Bye.